0: Welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, in a bid to catch up with the Supreme Court, we are going to try and squeeze a couple of cases into one episode. We will then cover the remaining three 2023 cases next week, so that by the time February rolls around, we can hopefully get into those 2024 judgments. With that in mind, this week we will be first looking at TUI Limited and Griffiths, which has the citation 2023 UKSC48, and then move on to Thaler and Comptroller General of Patents, which is cited as 2023 UKSC49. The TUI case is pretty simple, and Thaler is an interesting case about AI, so hopefully we can do both justice. In TUI, the appellant Griffiths got very sick while on holiday in Turkey and decided to sue the travel company. At trial, he provided uncontested expert evidence that the upset stomach was likely caused by the food and drink at the hotel. Instead of contesting the evidence, Tui poo-pooed the expert evidence in its closing submission. The trial judge agreed with Tui that the report was incomplete and did not show that it was more likely that the food and drink at the hotel had caused the illness. As such, the claim was dismissed. When the proceedings made their way to the Supreme Court, the justices began by noting that our justice system is adversarial, and so any evidence presented that the other party does not agree with should be challenged by cross-examination. This allows the witness to clarify any points that may be unclear, so that the judge gets the whole picture. There are a number of exceptions to this that the Supreme Court did outline, but they ultimately held that in this case the expert witness should have been given an opportunity to respond to the criticism from Tui. Tui chose not to cross-examine and did not even present its own expert evidence. While the report produced for Mr Griffiths was certainly not expansive, it was more than a mere assertion and did rely on the relevant expertise. As such, when the trial judge relied on Tui's criticism of the report, they denied Griffiths a fair trial. Now, in writing for the UK Human Rights blog, the barrister Edward Waldegrave examined this decision and said that it might present practical difficulties moving forward. In particular, advocates may face difficulties in making sure that they do achieve the fairness requirements when challenging evidence. Indeed, in his judgment, Lord Hodge suggests that things might be tricky when the time for cross-examination is limited and a party is also limited in terms of its resources. Nevertheless, I think that Waldegrave exaggerates on this point. In this case, we are talking about a complete failure by Tui to engage with the evidence and then dismissing it during their closing argument. It is true that our adversarial system, with the presentation and challenging of evidence and witnesses, is seeking a perfection that it will never quite achieve. But it is not perfection that the Supreme Court is asking for here, just more than the bare minimum. Anyway, let's move on to our next case, which is Thaler and Comptroller General of Patents, Designs, and Trademarks. It has the citation 2023 UKSC 49. Thaler is a scientist who, in late 2018, filed two applications for the grant of patents in respect of new inventions. However, when the applications were filed under the Patents Act 1977, the interesting thing was that they stated Thaler himself was not the inventor. He was told that under section 13 subsection 2 of the Act, as well as Rule 10 subrule 3 of the patent rules, he would have to file a statement of inventorship and a background as to his rights to the respective patents. Thaler's response was that the inventor was in fact Dabus, an artificial intelligence and that he had a right to the patents as the owner of that machine. The Comptroller was not having this. They said that Davis could not be an inventor under the Act, and Thaler could not apply for a patent simply because he owned the machine. As such, his applications would be taken to be withdrawn at the end of 16 months, in line with the rules. When this case got to the Supreme Court, the justices were keen to highlight that their decision has... No bearing on whether technical advances derived from AI should be patentable. Instead, this case is about the interpretation of the legislation and the status of Davis as an inventor. They began with the 2007 decision in Roan-Pulenk-Rora and Yeda Research and Development, where it was held an inventor must be a natural, real-life person. This lines up with the provisions in the legislation as well, so the Supreme Court felt no need to derivate from that interpretation. The next question was whether Thaler could nevertheless apply and be entitled to a patent because of his ownership of Davis. The problem, though, is the same as before. Section 7 of the Patents Act demands that the inventor must be a person, which Davis is not. If the applicant is not the inventor, then they have to satisfy strict conditions in Section 7.2b and c. Which Thaler does not. He did try to argue that those conditions could apply, but he once again came up against the brick wall of Davis not being an inventor, and the fact that the doctrine of accession does not apply in these circumstances. As such, the comptroller was correct to reject the patent applications. You can probably see why this case is so interesting to me, and why I wanted to at least try and cover it in some detail. On the surface, the answer for the court was pretty simple. Section 13 demands that the applicant identifies the, quote, person or persons whom he believes to be the inventor or inventors, end quote. And the case law is clear that this should be an actual person rather than an AI. Nevertheless, this application by Thaler does prompt a question about whether the law should change. AI represents such an advance in technology That it is no longer silly or like something out of Star Trek to suggest that an AI genuinely did invent a new device or process. It would not really be right to say that the person who programmed the AI was the inventor because the machine itself is learning along the way and takes on something of a life of its own beyond the initial programming. However, any change to the law would have to proceed very carefully. What rights and responsibilities does an inventor have, and how can they be exercised by an AI that knows nothing of royalties or deciding how an invention should be used? Parliament is still thinking about how to legislate around AI, and this is but one more thing to think about as the technology develops. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. There is a storm raging outside at the moment, so I apologise if that's in the background noise to this podcast. I always do my best to get rid of any background sounds, but uh, this storm really is raging, and I hope you're not too badly affected yourselves. Quick reminder before we go that if you'd like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, do check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!